News Talk 580 CFRA presents the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer Alex Luchaferro. here, ready to take off with another edition of the Employment Law Show. Yeah, Alex is ready to go. Hope you are as well. The number 613-521-TALK, 613-521-TALK, to call the radio station right now over the next hour and discuss employment rights. If you have questions or concerns about being put on a temporary layoff, if you're not uh, comfortable with the prospect of going back to work during COVID-19, maybe your boss or your employer has tried to reduce your hours, reduce your pay, change your shift, and other shenanigans and blaming and using COVID-19 as an excuse. Bring it on. That's exactly what we discussed. That in all employment matters here. 613-521-TALK. And the email address is a help at employmentlawyer.ca. Today we're going to get into the discussion, Alex, of dependent contractors, dependent contractors, I said, and employment law red flags, if we have time for that, and some emails as well. But first, Mal Frere, what is happening with the uh, the week that was? Hey, Johnny. Thanks very much. Great to be yep. back uh, live on the air here in Ottawa. Talking, uh, as you say, employment law, workplace rights for employees and for employers uh, as well. It's important to remember. Uh, I can't believe we're uh, we're nearly into October, uh, John, and, and with you know COVID and the state of the economy and the uncertainty about what this second wave is going to look like, we you know continue to receive lots of calls here in the office every day from employers and employees. Unfortunately, you know, employment disputes are still happening. People are getting let go from their jobs. Uh, John, they're still getting laid off temporarily and illegally. Uh, yep. People are getting, uh, you know, unfairly demoted. Their pay is getting cut, as you mentioned. And, you know, we're helping these people resolve these workplace situations, giving advice, solving problems, helping people get the severance that they're owed. It's extremely important if you're dealing with a problem at work, you need to know what your rights are. You need to know what options you have. And as you very well know, John, that's what we do day in, day out. It's the bread and butter of our work. It's what we pride ourselves on. We're here to help resolve workplace problems. So with all of that out of the way and all of that, all mm-hmm. that said, let's uh, let's get rolling here with, uh, with the week that was. I take an opportunity to talk about a couple of matters uh, that uh, came across my desk this week. First matter, uh, John, is actually an update on a matter. Uh, it's a matter I think I, I, I had mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the show, and, and I'll summarize it uh, as follows. So I had spoken with a, a very nice gentleman, 12 years of service with the same company. He was in a sales position. He had been put on a layoff back in May, and he accepted the layoff. So at, actually at the time, he had the right to refuse the layoff, but he said, you know what? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to accept the layoff. I'm going to stay home. And when the company's ready to call me back to work, they will. And so he accepted that, that layoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the company called him back to work, they, are fo- they were forcing him to sign an employment contract. He had never signed an employment contract before. This was the first time he had been presented with this kind of contract. And it had a bunch of clauses and provisions in it, in the contract, that were really, really detrimental to this person's employment. It, the company was going to be allowed to pay him with very little severance. Uh, they were allowed to change his position it had in the contract. A bunch of things that gave the company all of this power to do these things that it would, wasn't otherwise allowed to do. And so having spoken to this gentleman, he took the position, no, I'm not signing this contract. I want to come back to work on the terms that I left. 
perfectly reasonable position. That's exactly what employees should be doing uh, when they're being called back from a layoff. If they've accepted the layoff, they're wanting to go back on the same terms that they left. If your employer is presenting you with some sort of updated contract or new terms or different terms of employment, you have the right as an employee to say no. And that is what this gentleman did. And with my help, we contacted the company and said, hey guys, you can't do this. Either you return him back to work on the terms that he left, or you pay this man his severance entitlements. This man was an older gentleman. He was 65 years of age, 12 years of service with the company. And lo and behold, the company comes back and makes a significant severance offer to this uh. employee. Uh, you know, in the, you know, multiple tens of thousands of dollars, I won't go into the details, but we're now going to be resolving this gentleman's claim on very, very good terms, simply because he took the time to get legal advice. Uh, and so, you know, it's extremely important and it's a great lesson for our listeners out there. It doesn't take much. Uh, you know, guys and girls. It takes some advice. It takes knowing what your options are, knowing what your rights are, and either you'll have the opportunity to return back to work properly, or you're going to get the severance package that you're owed. If you don't get that advice, if you don't speak with an employment lawyer, you can be walking away from all of that money, having, you know, maybe perhaps considered to have been resigned uh, or abandoned your job, and you don't want to go down that road. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, a good story, I guess you can say. It's it's likely going to be a very happy ending for the gentleman. He's getting a very reasonable severance package, which is what he wanted in the first place. And again, with you know very little advice and very little involvement, uh, we are going to resolve this workplace uh, problem in an employee's favor. Six one three five two one talk is the number. We'll get over to uh, Alex, who's been standing by on the uh, on the phone line. Hey, Alex, how are you tonight? Hi, good. You? Good. What's uh, what's on your mind, pal? So it's actually a question regarding my wife's employment. She was employed with a um, with a daycare for uh, I would say two years or so, um, and then the year prior to COVID, she actually went on maternity leave. So obviously, her severance pay would would um, would be pretty diminished because of the fact that calculating it out, she actually only worked say two or three months that prior year. Mm. Not necessarily, uh, Alex. But 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 go on. Oh, okay, perfect. So COVID obviously resulted in a layoff. Um, it was a very sort of funny layoff. They, they basically gave her papers the day before and said, don't come to work tomorrow. You've been laid off um, due to COVID. Um, obviously, uh, with everything still going on, they never really gave her a concrete answer as to when she was coming back, how many hours she would be getting, what her pay would be. They did keep asking her if she would be coming back, but never gave her sort of conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in doing so, she eventually decided uh, not to return at all and to look for other employment. Um, but they're not in agreement that she's, she's decided to treat her layoff as a permanent termination, and they're not in agreement that that's the case. Fair enough. I'm just if wondering I can ask what Alex. Yeah, sorry. Ahead, sorry. If I if I can just ask, when was she laid off? Did this happen uh, recently? She would have been laid off at the beginning in March when all of the daycares closed, the first order. Okay. And she would never returned. Excellent. Okay, uh, that is a great question, Alex, and it's another kind of great lesson for our all our listeners out there. I'm. Uh, 
I'm aware of the fact that we're kind of up against the clock here and we've got to go to break, but but uh, either stay on the line or listen in. Alex, I'm going to be answering that question about temporary layoffs. It's an extremely important one uh, uh, to answer, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be more than ha- happy to, to uh, kind of uh, break down the analysis. Take a short break now. If you want to call in and ask uh, our Alex a question, please do so. 613-521-TALK. That is exactly how it works here on this show. It is uh, 7.15. We'll take that short break and get right back to more Employment Law Show, News Talk 580 CFRA. Now back to the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer Alex Luchafero on News Talk 580 CFRA. 719, we are right back at it. Still plenty of time for your phone call. And uh, that number, yeah, 613-521-TALK. Email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And anytime we're not on the air doing the show, you can visit pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. A ton of employment law information up there, absolutely free and anonymous. Uh, let's get back to uh, what Alex was talking about, Alex, and uh, continue on that one. Yeah, absolutely, uh, John. And I wanted to answer Alex's question uh, uh, and just to recap, he was calling about his wife who was uh, two years into her employment with a daycare, if I remember correctly, although, you know, Alex pointed out that um, she had been uh, off on a maternity leave for one of those years. And I guess maybe maybe that's where I should start, John, which is that, you know, Alex kind of alluded to, well, I don't know if, I don't know if that one year of maternity leave really counts towards uh you know his wife's uh length of service and the answer as as i'm sure many of our listeners know already from from listening into the show is absolutely it counts mm-hmm. uh whether you're off on a medical leave or whether you're off on a uh, parental leave or maternity leave that time away on a leave of absence absolutely does count towards the length of your employment and so alex's wife is indeed a two-year employee despite the fact that she had uh, been on a uh, maternity and parental leave for the last year and then the next question that came up was well she was laid off temporarily in march upon her return uh, back from a leave and alex wanted to know well you know what can we do about this is is that allowed is that legal does she have to accept it and you know what are her options and this is what we've been saying all along, uh, uh, John, and this is the starting point when it comes to temporary layoffs. COVID or not, John, this is the way it works. Temporary layoffs are not necessarily allowed in the workplace. They have to be a term of your employment as an employee. It has to be something that you agree to, whether that's in a contract or whether you agree to it as kind of an implied term of employment, meaning if you agree to it you know, either on a handshake or just as an understood term of your employment that you're allowed to be temporary laid off. If that's the case, well, then you've got to accept those layoffs and it is what it is. So, you know, with respect to Alex's wife, I'd probably want to have a look at any kind of employment contract she would have signed with the company because that contract may have some language in it that allows the company to lay her off. And if that's the case, unfortunately, she's stuck with the contract that she signed. She's going to have to abide by it. If that's not the case, John, again, if there is no written contract allowing a temporary layoff uh, and there's nothing implied either, either she hasn't been laid off before, obviously daycare work is not seasonal, so it can't be implied in that way. If that's the case, and I would probably bank on that, uh, John, if I were to guess, then she is allowed to treat the, ta- the, the layoff as a termination. She doesn't have to accept a temporary layoff. Again, this is where 
the vast majority of employees who have been temporarily laid off find themselves. Right. They find themselves in a position where, you know what, they have the option. They don't have to accept a temporary layoff if they don't want to. They can treat it as a termination and get the severance entitlements that they're owed. Mm-hmm. Now, some people uh, do want to accept right. the layoff, right? Sometimes, right. and maybe in Alex's wife's case, you know, you're you're a fairly short service employee with two years of uh, of of employment. Maybe your severance entitlements are not, you know, particularly significant. They might be in the range of three or four months' pay or something like that. Maybe you want to keep your job, right? Maybe your your long term career with an employer is more important than any particular severance package, whatever that's worth. Uh, and that's okay too. You can accept a layoff in a case like this, but again, it is your choice as an employee, and you have to make that choice consciously. Do not just sit at home and say, "Fine, I, you know, I, I have to accept this situation. I have no choice." No, you do have rights as an employee to decide what your terms of employment uh, are, and if you've been temporarily laid off and you haven't accepted that temporarily off, and if you don't accept it. Reach out to us. Give us a call. We'll happy to go into your specific situation with you, get to the bottom of kind of what's what, and give you a game plan to move forward. That game plan may very well be to pursue your severance entitlements right. and to claim a termination, uh, but there are other options as well. So hopefully that gives Alex enough kind of, uh, I guess, starter information, basic information, uh, and, and certainly if he has any additional questions or if his wife has any additional questions, uh, you know, uh, John. Uh, you know, uh, you hand out the number on a regular uh, on a regular schedule throughout the course of the show. So you, you know, feel free to give our office a call and, and happy to chat with Alex's wife in some more detail. And that number that Alex just mentioned, I'll give it out right now: one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Still, lots of time to go here for a phone call. Six one three five two one talk is the number you use. Dependent contractors—that's dependent contractors. We often talk about people being either employees or independent contractors, but there is a third category, isn't there? There absolutely is, John, and you know I, I really find this topic interesting and, and you know informative to a lot of people out there. It, you know, it 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 uh, it's surprising to me whenever we talk about this issue on the show, we end up getting calls from people saying, "Hey, I I think you know you were talking about dependent contractors. I think I'm one of those. Can you guys help me out?" Uh, and so it makes for a very interesting uh, topic, and it's a very little known topic as well, which makes it even more interesting. Um, you know, we obviously know what an employee is, John. We know what an employment relationship looks like. Mm-hmm. That's the easy one. Most of us can also, uh, you know, pretty much figure out what an independent contractor uh, looks like. And the, you know, the prototypical independent contractor that we use an example on the show all the time is the plumber. The plumber that works for themselves. You've got your own truck. You've got your own tools, and you have multiple clients at any given time that you do jobs for and do work for individually. You're effectively running your own business as a contractor. You can potentially subcontract some work, uh, and you have no one boss. You have multiple clients. That's the the ideal independent contractor. The question then becomes, okay, well, what is this third category? You, you're mentioning a dependent contractor. Right. What is that exactly? 
Exactly. And, what is a dependent contractor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, and yeah, and, and the answer is obviously in the name, right? So, yeah. com- you know, as opposed to an independent contractor who, again, uh, you know, works primarily for themselves and has multiple clients, a dependent contractor, uh, John, is someone who effectively relies on one client, shall we say. Uh, or, or, you know, one company or one employer, potentially you can even call them, but, you know, one entity effectively mm-hmm. for the vast majority of their earnings and, uh, and of their income. So we could think of someone who, for example, works in IT. Right, as an information okay. technology consultant, uh, there are lots of those in the cities. Lots of those people. I'm sure listening in right now that this might resonate with, uh, and that person, uh, you know, is treats themselves as a contractor. Maybe has their own incorporated company or a sole proprietorship. They have their own equipment. They, you know, they dictate their own fees. They charge what they want. They work when they want. They work where they want. All of those things are the hallmarks of a, of a contractor, right? They're not an employee. Yep. They're not examples of an employee. However, they only do work for one company, uh, right? They are dependent on this one company, or or maybe it's even one primary company with maybe a little bit of you know side work on, on the side, but very, very little. That person is a dependent contractor, and that matters big time. Uh, uh, John, it matters because that person is going to be owed severance if their relationship is terminated, if the contract is terminated. They're going to be owed severance like an employee is. They're going to be owed a reasonable severance package based upon their age, their years of service with the company, Mm -hmm. and their position within that company. And the longer they've been with, with an employer, the more senior their position is within that organization, and the older they are, the more severance they're going to get. And that's why it matters so much, because when those relationships end, the dependent contractor is left there, maybe without having received any notice of their termination whatsoever, and they're now saying, wow, I just, you know, I'm sitting here now without any work, and I just lost the vast majority of my income. Whether it's you know, 50%, 60%, 80%, 90% of their income is now gone in an instant. And what the law has said in cases like that is that, no, you can't do that to a, to a contractor, to a dependent yeah. contractor. You have to provide either reasonable notice of the termination of the contract or pay in lieu of that notice, and that is effectively severance pay well you mentioned just before we break here that you know they rely on the vast majority on one client what what's the threshold 70 percent of their income 60 percent where does it lie do you think yeah it's a great uh, it's a great question uh, mm-hmm. john you threw me a, a hardball or a, or a curveball there so there is no set number and that's okay I, gotcha. I, I love those kinds of questions uh, uh john there is no set number i mean uh, uh, really, the courts have said in one particular case that actually is from 2019, so pretty recent, they've said that 40% of one's income is probably not enough to establish a dependent contractor. So if you're making your income from only from one source, but only 40% of your income, so the majority is actually being made elsewhere, that's not enough for a dependent contractor. So, you know, and that was one particular case, but I think we can, what we can take from that, and I think as a general rule, we can say, listen, if you're making more than half of your total income from one single uh, client or one single company, then you may very well be a dependent uh, contractor. Listen, every case is very, very fact specific. Obviously, the more reliant you are on one 
uh, entity to pay you and to earn your income from, the more of a dependent contractor you're going to be. Um, but if you're earning your majority of your income from, let's say, another source, then you're probably not a, an in, a dependent contractor. You're probably right. an independent contractor. Let's take a short break. We'll uh, get right back to it. Your phone calls, Doug, I see you there. Hang on the line, my brother, and we'll get to your phone call, yours, 613-521-TALK. We'll continue. Employment Law Show, News Talk 580, CFRA. Now back to the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer Alex Luchafero on News Talk 580 CFRA. And we are back indeed. Going to move on to employment law red flags here in just a bit. But as promised, phone calls always top priority. We'll uh, get over to uh, Doug. Doug, thank you so much for staying on the line. How are you tonight? Pretty good, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, you you folks gave me some good information a few weeks ago about a friend I have who works for a large airline in, uh, in Calgary. Uh, what's happened there now is, I guess, the final offer for this group, he works in IT and is non-unionized and been there for 16 years, is they're offering them two weeks of notice pay and two days of severance pay for each year of service. So in his case, he's worked for 16 years. He'd be entitled to the 10 days for uh, notice and 32 days of severance for a grand total of 42 days. Um, apparently, the uh, negotiating committee said, no, that's not good enough. So they have finally, I guess, hired a uh, labor lawyer who's, uh, I guess, recommended that they go the arbitration route. Uh, apparently, the airlines are regulated under federal legislation, and I guess there's a provision to go for arbitration, arbitration under that route. Um, I, I've never heard this come up on your show before, and I'm just wondering yeah. if... Uh, if, if uh, I, I assume that whatever the arbitrator proposes, both the airline and the employees uh, who, who are challenging the uh, the severance would be required to accept that. Is that the case? Yeah, and you did mention, Doug, that this gentleman is, is non-unionized? Well, that's correct. He's, he's in yeah, the that's... IT department, and none of them are unionized in the IT department. Yeah, that's that's very, very interesting. So you're right to say that... Uh, your 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 friend's uh, employment is federally regulated because he works for an airline that is a federal jurisdiction. And what he's been offered, Doug, so what you mentioned as the two weeks plus two days per uh, per each year of service, those are his minimum entitlements yeah. under the Canada Labor Code. So it's basically yeah. the bare minimum that the company can provide in letting this employee go. Now, your friend uh, doesn't necessarily have to accept that unless he has a contract of employment that limits to him to that amount. So if he has a contract uh, that says exactly that, that says in the event of a termination, you agree that all you will receive are your minimum entitlements under the Canada Labor Code, uh, then potentially the company can hold him uh, to that. Although, you know, I, I would caution your friend, Doug, that kind of termination language needs to be very, very carefully drafted. Oftentimes, we can get around that language by making multiple uh, kind of technical arguments, and, and a lot of those contracts are not enforceable. Uh, now, this whole issue about kind of arbitration and, and, and kind of, it seems as though this severance package is being negotiated as a group, uh, you know, th that strikes me as quite odd. It's possible that uh, your, your friend can file a complaint under the Canada Labor Code and do that as, as potentially a group of employees or do that, you know, through, through, through some sort of arbitration process. Well, but he should, 
they're, they're yeah. sort of doing. Uh, they, they had to elect uh, negotiators, I guess, the um, call center people elected negotiators. The, this group has elected negotiators, and mm-hmm. apparently the call center people accepted the uh, two days of severance per, um, mm-hmm. per, per year. Yeah, but, and, and, but, and that's quite problematic. Um, and, and that certainly sounds like some sort of unionized environment. So th- th- there's something there that, that doesn't jive. Doug, what I'd suggest that your friend do is perhaps give us a call and we can get into the details here okay. and discuss uh, a, a kind of what options he has. Certainly if he is a non-unionized employee, he has every right to negotiate his own severance terms for himself based upon his age, his years of service with the company and his position. Uh, But we do need to get to the bottom of this arbitration issue. If if through some sort of means he's been tied into this process, it it may very well limit him if he's agreed to that. So we really need to get into to look into that before we can kind of definitively uh, figure out the situation. Okay, but I've just never heard the uh, word arbitration come up in your in, in your on your show before. I just it certainly comes up in the unionized context, and that's how a lot yeah. of matters, uh, you, you know, between unions and employers are resolved by way of arbitration. But certainly in the non-unionized context, uh, it, it is, I would say, very seldomly uh, used and not common at all. And that's probably why you haven't heard us talk about it. So again, it, it speaks to a potential kind of union situation. But uh, again, you know, it's obviously unclear and we obviously need to figure that out. Thank you very much for your information, sir. Have a good evening. Thanks, Doug. Thank you for uh, for your time as well, Doug. You want to reach out, uh, you know how to. one 855 would be the way to get a hold of Alex and his team. You also have help at employmentlawyer.ca. Going to move on down the line to, uh, to Bruce. Bruce, thank you for standing by as well. Good evening. Hello. I was uh, calling with regards to my wife, who's 63. She's been with the same organization for 43 years now and has uh, been promoted up to a management position. Um, She had a new boss uh, that took over a few years ago, and uh, he verbally asked whether she had considered retirement, which she hadn't. And uh, a year and a half ago, she was presented with a document outlining what they would give her to retire, and they actually had a retirement date on it, mm-hmm. and they wanted her to accept it, which she turned down. But uh, he had explained that they needed to have a new person brought into management, and they were top-heavy, and they wanted her to leave. So um, after this happened, uh, she became very stressed about working there around her boss, knowing that he didn't want her, and she went off on sick leave, mm-hmm. and she's been on sick leave now for about nine months, and while she was off, they actually reorganized some of the staff, and she has been put down out of management into a union job without even hmm. consulting her. So, How long ago uh, did this for, happen, Bruce? Pardon me? How long ago did this happen? It happened last week. Oh, wow. Okay. They, she only found out. They didn't even notify her. She only found out because she was checking work email, and they had circulated a chart, a reorganizational chart of uh, how everything was going to work going forward, and uh, that's where she noticed that she was no longer in the management team and she was being put into a union job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, do you know, Bruce, if her, if her, so it's clear that her position has changed, do you know if her pay is being changed or if any other terms of employment are changing? 
Uh, well, uh, being in the union automatically changes some aspects of the job Absolutely. in that uh, she will have to report to somebody else and keep regular hours. She was uh, being management. She was responsible to make a, uh, have the job done no matter what hours she kept sort of thing. So she had flexibility there, and uh, she didn't uh, have to worry about having permission to take holidays and so on like that, whereas now she will. Uh, we're not sure about the salary yet that's just happened, but she suspects she's going to be red-circled at minimum. Mm -hmm. uh, the job itself uh, probably won't change so much in, in uh, what she's actually doing. Uh, Work-wise, is not going to increase or decrease that she can see. Mm -hmm. But it's just a matter of uh, being demoted like that, uh, you know, especially while she's off on sick leave. Of course. Of course, absolutely. And if I can ask, Bruce, I, I, I obviously don't want to know, uh, you know, on the radio the name of the employer, but, but what line of work uh, would this be in? Uh, they're a non-profit organization. Okay, okay. Okay, well, I appreciate uh, that information, Bruce, and I certainly appreciate you calling in on, on your wife's uh, uh, behalf. 43 years of service is very impressive. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, employers don't keep employees around for that long if yeah. they aren't doing something right. Uh, so credit to, credit to your wife for that, of course. Um, I, I don't need to really know much else, uh, Bruce, with respect to your wife's situation. This is a very clear case of what we call constructive dismissal. Uh, simply changing your wife's employment from a management level position to a non-management level and, and even unionized position and the difference between being non-unionized and unionized, that in and of itself, that position change, that change in responsibilities and duties, that in and of itself is what we call a constructive dismissal, meaning your wife would have the option of rejecting that change and uh, seeking her severance entitlements her severance entitlements, Bruce, would be significant uh, as a 43-year employee who's uh, in her early 60s. She is going to be uh, looking at 24 months of pay, uh, which is effectively the maximum that an employee can receive in a case uh, like this, at least generally speaking. So her severance entitlements would be significant to say the least. Uh, and having only happened a week ago... Um, you know, this is now the time to make an issue of this. You don't necessarily want to wait much longer. The longer time goes on, the more the company can take the position that your wife has implicitly accepted this change, having learned about it. So what I would suggest we do, Bruce, is that we schedule a time to discuss this off-air, get into the details uh, with respect to uh, the situation, uh, lay out the options that your wife uh, has. If she's wanting to keep her employment, we can potentially try and do that for her rather than, uh, rather than seek a severance package. We can potentially try and get her position back for her. But uh, there are a number, a number of options and a number of different ways in which we can approach this kind of situation. I certainly think it warrants uh, a conversation, and I'd encourage you to, to contact us. And, and happy to chat uh, about this uh, with, uh, with you and your wife, and, and we could certainly figure out a game plan moving forward. Yeah, I don't think she's uh, contemplating going back uh, in that you know she's aware she's, she's not wanted there anymore. They've actually gone and brought another person that they wanted to have in management into management now. 
and replaced her. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, yeah. they've already made the move and done the hire, and everything uh, is done in that respect. Yeah. So should, she's, she's currently on sick leave still. And mm-hmm. uh, she's on sick leave. Uh, on the latest from the doctor was until uh, the end of October. So given that, should she still... I do still think she has to act as soon as possible. I appreciate that might be a little uh, difficult, but if she has learned of the change, she does need to act on it sooner rather than later. Okay, so, the, so she needs know, to send a notice basically saying, I don't accept this? Yes, yes, although I would suggest that before she does anything, uh, we have a conversation and uh, and get into more detail about about the situation and, and so that I could properly advise you. But yes, I would uh, I wouldn't sit on it despite the fact that she's on a medical leave. That doesn't necessarily protect her at least fully. Uh, again, having learned of the change, she now has to speak up effectively, and um, and you want to do that carefully as well. And that's why I'd, I'd want to have a chat. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Thank well, you. Thank you very much. We'll, we'll get in touch. Great. Thank you, Bruce, for your time. Enjoy the rest of, uh, of your week to reach out uh, just in case. I'll give it to you again, one 821 5900 1-855-821-5900, help at Going to take a short break here. we still got some time for your phone calls as well. That's, that's, that's how easy it is. And that number is 613-521-TALK. Employment Law Show, News Talk 580, CFRA. Now back to the Employment Law Show with employment lawyer Alex Luchafero on News Talk 580 CFRA. And we are back. Welcome back to the last few minutes of the uh, of the show here. You want to chime in, 613-521-TALK, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And any other time you need information uh, about employment law in general, you can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, free and absolutely uh, anonymous. Use that website anytime. Employment law red flags. Here's one. Despite many stellar, love the word, stellar performance reviews, your employer still puts you on a performance improvement plan. Tell me about that. Yeah, I want to chat about about these red flags, uh, yeah. John, and, and maybe we can do this kind of rapid fire, giving, uh, given that we're kind of up against the clock here. Uh, but, but you know, we're seeing more and more of these nowadays as as you know the economy is contracting and. You know, employers are getting, you know, the finances are getting tighter for everyone, and, and we're seeing employers take these kinds of measures, and, and these should all be flags for employees because they mean that might, you know, something might be uh, down the road uh, affecting their employment. Mm-hmm. And so when you've been, you know, let's not even say stellar in your performance, John. Let, let's say you've been good enough in your performance. You've been a, a decent employee. Your performance reviews have been, you know, I, I would say, let's say, average or good. Um, you've never been disciplined before. You're, right. you, you know, you're you're a decent enough employee. And all of a sudden, you either get put on a performance review plan uh, or you're getting disciplined for your performance or disciplined for, you know, conduct. That should be a flag for an employee who's otherwise been a good employee it might mean that your employer is trying to build a case against you for a termination or potentially for a termination for cause, meaning uh, right. a, what we call a just cause termination, mm-hmm. which is a termination without any kind of severance pay. Um, and again, this is how those kinds of situations start with a performance review or, or with a disciplinary uh, letter. Uh, you know, I spoke to a, a very nice lady the other day who was a 24-year employee 
clean record, strong service record, uh, and all of a sudden received a blistering disciplinary letter from wow. her employer. And, you know, I mean, the employer couldn't have made it any more obvious. <laughs> They're clearly trying to set her up uh, to let her go. And as an employee, again, that should be a red flag. You need to act in a situation like that. Don't just accept the review plan. Don't just accept the disciplinary letter. You need to respond. And you want to respond kind of on the record with your opinion, with your position, saying that you disagree with the discipline, saying, you know, telling your side of the story and putting that on the record to your employer in an email or in a letter. And you want you want that to kind of stand on its own contrasting the discipline and that's the way you can protect yourself in a situation like that so that if you're looking back three or four or five months uh, from then you can say okay well they disciplined me but I responded and said x y and z and it turned out that I was right talking about employment law red flags this one is a biggie after a few years on the job everything's going well oh look they slide over a new employment agreement they want you to sign yeah, a red flag, and like I talked about at the top of the show with uh, with the week that was, if mm-hmm. your employer is asking you to sign a contract mid-employment yeah. and it's not a promotion or it's not a significant raise, and maybe even if it is those two things, you have to be careful and review what you're signing with an employment lawyer. There's only one reason an employer uh, an employer wants you to sign an employment contract, John, and that's to protect the employer to protect themselves rather than to somehow give the employee additional benefits or additional rights. An employer uh, can only better themselves by offering up an employment contract. And so as an employee in that situation, again, that should be raising the red flag or getting your guard up that, okay, well, why is my employer asking me to sign this contract mid-employment? What are, what's in this document? Oftentimes there'll be stuff about termination, things about layoffs, things about changing your position. You don't want to sign those contracts. You have more power than you think as an employee who's already established at a company to refuse signing that contract uh, and either you would obtain your severance entitlements in a case like that or you'd simply continue on with your employment on the terms that you currently have. Get to one more here before we wrap and that is another red flag. Your employer says you weren't quote-unquote the right fit for the job and fires you for cause without any severance. Yeah, certainly a for-cause termination uh, John is a termination without severance. Uh, it's the rare, rare exception when it comes to terminations. I, you know, I could count on one hand how many legitimate four-cause terminations I've seen. I would say in the last year or two, maybe even, uh, John, they're very, very rare. Most terminations are without cause. Even if that employee wasn't the greatest employee, even if, you know, as you just said, maybe it wasn't the right fit between the employer and the employee, uh, in a case like that, an employee is always, always, always going to be uh, 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 owed severance. Severance based on their age, their position, and their years of service uh, uh, with a company. It's what we call a termination without cause. An employer is allowed, John, to terminate an employee without cause, uh, even if it's not the right fit. As you said, there's nothing necessarily illegal about a company doing that, about a company terminating employment, but they have to pay severance. Uh, And if they don't pay severance, uh, they they can't rely on not the right fit to somehow pay less severance or to pay no severance at all. It's a without-cause termination. It's got to be paid no matter what. And severance is always going to be 
more than what the employer thinks it is, and oftentimes more than what the employee uh, thinks it is. You're talking about you know months, uh, uh, months and months, rather than one or two weeks per year of service. And we'll leave it there for another night. Appreciate all your emails and your calls. Nicely done. Thank you for contributing to the show, as we'd love you to do every Tuesday. Now, you want to reach out now to get a hold of Alex, you can do so. Here's how. one 821 5900 email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca if you go to simply employmentlawyer.ca you'll catch links to our tv show as well have a look at that uh, when you see fit and always 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 pocket employmentlawyer.ca the website full of employment law information free anonymous but there is a contact button at the top right if you want to use that as well we'll catch you next time employment law show this is news talk 580 cfra 